Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Well, good morning. <laughs> That's way better. Awesome. Good job. Good to have you guys in the service with us. Um, welcome to this very special day for our mission team. Um, we are going to take a few moments at the beginning of our service and, and share with you um, some of the adventures of Malawi, Africa. Uh, and so, but before we do that, I wanted to make sure to welcome everybody and, uh, and any guests that we might have. If you are visiting with us, would you please take a care card that's in the pew back in front of you uh, and fill that information out. And then you can put that in our giving boxes that are attached to uh, the wall in the back of our foyer of our sanctuary. Uh, or you can hand that to me or Pastor Scott or Jonathan. Um, Kevin Seeger is with our Epic Group on their beach retreat this weekend. So make sure you're praying for them and their safety as they travel back. Um, but uh, get this card back into us so that we can know of your visit with us. Also on, on the flip side of that is uh, a room for anybody to fill out a prayer request. We would love to know how to pray for you. But get these care cards in uh, so that we can do that. Um, to expedite things this morning, uh, we're going to have just a couple of brief announcements. That gives me an opportunity to encourage you, if you're not getting the email updates uh, on Friday regarding these announcements, um, please make sure that you call the office or uh, sign up somehow to get those announcements. Those are very informative. Basically, what I say is already been written in, in the electronically. So make sure that uh, uh, you pay attention to those. So with that said, um, Im important thing, the big thing that's coming up is our Vacation Bible School and registration is going on now. VBS this year is uh, June the 26th through the 29th, but we have our opening night on Sunday night, the 25th. Uh, but classes start for graduated fourth or uh, four, ages four through seventh grade. So we want to make sure that we get your kids registered. That's going on now. So uh, please pay attention to that. You can go to our website, uh, uh, pbcweb.org, and get your child registered for VBS. It's going to be a great, great time of, of, of learning. That is the arm of Southern Baptist churches uh, that is so evangelistic. Um, so we want to make sure that your kids and that your, your kids' friends are involved in that very important week. Also, uh, a, a great thing is that uh, you can register for the snack suppers uh, that week, and there's going to be some cool suppers. It's only $16 for four nights, and here's some of the things that you get. You get breakfast for dinner, and then one night you get 80s school pizza. That is awesome. 80s school pizza. Yes. I hear some applause. That's when I went to school. That's the little rectangle things. My favorite teacher in high school was the lunchroom ladies. Uh, they'd load me up with like three of those puppies. So make sure that you go on our website and, and uh, register for that as well. So that's going to be um, um, a great, great week. Good time of fellowship even before VBS starts eating around the table with one another. Um, one other thing that I did want to mention to you is to, to thank you for your generosity in giving to our Annie Armstrong offering. Um, very thankful um, for that, your generosity and how you support missions. Uh, we're very, very uh, blessed to be a part of a church that supports missions uh, the way that it does. So uh, I wanted to read a portion of scripture and pray, and then we're going to get started in our sharing time. Listen to uh, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. 
How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we thank you that we have good news to proclaim. Lord, we thank you that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, alienated from you, rebels to you, God, you sent Jesus to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin, that in him and through him alone we can have salvation. And God, for that this morning, we rejoice and we say thank you. Lord, thank you for uh, uh, sending us out to share this good news with those around us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you gave us just uh, a few weeks ago to go to a whole different continent to share the good news of the Lord Jesus and see many people come to faith in Christ. Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. Um, God, we pray that this morning as we share, our mission team shares, we ask God that, number one, Lord, that you would receive all the honor and all the glory because there's no one worthy of praise except you, Lord. And so, Father, we pray uh, that that is our end this morning. Um, but we also pray, too, Lord, that our church is able to see uh, what we did uh, and that's very informative as well. Um, Lord, we love you. We give this time to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so um, to start off a couple of things, I just wanted to, to say thank you to you as a church and as a congregation um, for supporting us, uh, for supporting these folks over here, these 17 people who went to Malawi, Africa just a few weeks ago. Um, the support didn't start uh, on, in, in April. It started way back when we started raising money, and you helped us raise money to go. These trips are not inexpensive, uh, but you gave, and you gave willingly, uh, and helped afford us this opportunity to go to Malawi. But you also supported us through your prayers. And we indeed felt those throughout the week. Uh, we're so grateful and thankful uh, for your prayers. But you guys have always been so generous and allowed us these opportunities to go. And so I just wanted from the bottom of my heart and our team's heart to say thank you. Um, um, so with that said, I have a, a group of adults that I want to say thank you to as well. Um, could not have done it without these adults who uh, gave so much of their time, their resources, uh, their money as well to go. Um, but as I, as I call your name, I want you to stand so that the church can recognize you. Um, Andy and Allison Walker, would y'all stand? I think Andy is up in the sound booth. Yes. <laughs> David and Amber Gourley. Kelly Andrews, and then Robbie and Dina Jones. Ro Robbie is up in the sound booth, and that, that's the way that it was all uh, throughout the week in Malawi. Robbie and Andy were behind the scenes making things happen, right? So 
but each of these adults had their own specific area that they were in charge of. Not only taking care of um, uh, the students that went, but they also had to take care of a bunch of kids that came to VBS that week. Uh, so uh, my hat's off to them, and my heart is very, very grateful for them. Just an incredible group of adults uh, to work with. I do have this a little uh, uh, gift for them that I want you guys to meet me over here at the pew afterwards. There's nothing that I could give you. There's not enough that I could give you to say thank you. Um, but it's just a little something to jog your memory and think about um, Malawi uh, when you look at the picture. So um, I just want to say a special thank you too, also to, to Robbie Jones. Um, Robbie is behind the scenes making our flight arrangements. He is making accommodations for us to stay, uh, helping get our money exchanged from uh, uh, American to, to Malawian money. I mean, he's just, he just does a ton of things. Um, and he does those great. He does those so well. One thing he does not do particularly well is time. Uh, and I say that, we would be, okay, we're getting ready in the, go somewhere in the van, and we're like, Robbie, how long till we get there? Oh, it's about two hours. Five hours later, we're still in the van. <laughs> but that's not his fault, really, because it's crazy. When you're traveling in Malawi, there are so many police stops and potholes as big as this stage. No lie, it, it's, it's crazy. So, uh, but anyway, uh, Robbie was just invaluable and is invaluable not only to our, our mission team, our youth mission team, but all the mission teams in the church. So uh, a great big thank you to him. Timetable, yes, amen. Um, we started preparing for this mission trip in October of 22. Uh, we made our students fill out applications, and then from the applications, they had to go through an oral interview. This is not just a y'all come event. This is something that we desire our kids uh, to fully invest in, and we make sure they're going to be fully invested by that application and the interview process. And then we started meeting on Sunday nights in November uh, from 6 to 9 o'clock, and we trained uh, pretty much almost every Sunday night until our trip. Uh, so there was a lot of time invested uh, in this trip, and it, it really, really paid off. Um, when we arrived in Malawi, uh, one of the first things that we did, and I'm not going to steal a lot of the thunder of our uh, testimonies that are coming, we, we went to the orphanage um, in uh, uh, Blantyre, uh, the Good Samaritan Orphanage. We were able, that's just a, an incredible thing to see. Um, and that was on Friday. And then on, on Sunday, we began our ministry. We led the church worship service on Sunday morning. You'll see some of that. And then that Sunday afternoon, uh, we went to a village and we shared the Jesus film. We did some of our skits and uh, some testimonies. And then Monday through Thursday morning, we did our VBS. The first Monday, uh, the first uh, morning, Monday morning, we had uh, a little over 400 kids at, at VBS. And uh, I'm telling you, the, the, the ladies that did crafts deserve an extra jewel in their crown. Could you imagine doing crafts? with, uh, we, and we broke those groups up, the 400 into smaller groups, but you would still have well over 100 in, and maybe close to 200 in one of the groups. Uh, and doing crafts with somebody that doesn't speak your language 
and then just having all the material and stuff to do it was said uh thank you so much uh for that ladies um and then um on thursday uh, tuesday night we went and did uh, uh another jesus film uh this is going somewhere so stay with me and then on on wednesday afternoon we uh went and did a water filter pres presentation um we were given over 200 water filters dirty water in malawi is a huge problem and so anyway the water filter system you attach it to a five gallon bucket it takes dirty water and it makes it clean makes it drinkable makes it pure and then robbie was able to share the gospel uh through that making the reference to well jesus is what makes us clean he is the one that cleans us up and forgives us of our sins i say all that to say this there were many times that we shared the gospel there's no way to put a number on how many people received the gospel but we share the gospel faithfully and numerous numerous people received the gospel and their lives were changed for eternity's sake amen amen your thoughts your prayers your support everything is a huge part of that so listen prayerfully as some of our group comes to share now uh, their um, their experiences in Malawi. All right, Cadence. Good morning. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to share a little bit about my own personal testimony and then my experience in Malawi. So growing up, I've always been involved in church and surrounded by a church family. I learned from a young age the importance of volunteering and developing a servant's heart. One of my biggest struggles in life is my own battle against comfort in my faith. Um, these past few years for me have been some of the hardest battles I've had to face, and each year it always seems to get worse rather than improve. Um, so with this, I found a lot of discouragement in my walk, and it's thrown me down a really hard and like challenging path that almost seems impossible to get through. So this kind of mindset, it um, made it hard to find light in situations when I've convinced myself that I was in total darkness. Well, I've never questioned my faith. I have let it, let the strength of it suffer recently with each new trial that I've had thrown at me. So I needed something to push my faith and help me um, grow in it. So the conversation about Malawi was never avoidable, even though I tried very hard to avoid the idea or even the possibility. The original thought of traveling that far and the discomforts that came along with it almost terrified me. I never been on an airplane before and let alone been outside the country. So nothing about the trip really seemed appealing. Um, and the conversation with my parents about the money seemed like a far stretch. I um, was told many times to pray about, the uh, I pray about the conversation and talk to God about it and all my worries and fears that I might have, but also about what it would mean and what it would look like for my faith and walk. Um, I decided to give it a try, and I figured this was the opportunity I asked God for to help me strengthen my spiritual walk and Christian mindset. So from being super hesitant to go to never wanting to leave, I can say with much confidence that I had, uh, I made the right decision in going. There are not enough words or pictures that could possibly express the joy I experienced in that small amount of time. The way I saw God work in everyone I interacted with, and even the mission team itself, was actually incredible. God used the love and hope of every kid there to fill my heart with the love of Christ. He was seen through each smile and big hug and silly dance we did. Music's always been a huge part of who I am, and worship has helped build my testimony. And I got to share and experience that with those kids, and it was so much fun, but like in a powerful way. Many times you feel, you would feel limited due to like the language barrier, and it would make communicating really difficult. Music time was such an easy way to interact with the kids and have fun with them. 
We thought the many silly movement songs like Father Abraham and This Little Light of Mine, and believe it or not, The Chicken Dance was a huge favorite. It was really overwhelming looking at such a big crowd of kids with each new group, but it was so powerful to watch each one of them dance and sing and worship with us. I will say, just the sound of church clap now is enough to make my calves hurt after doing it more times than I ever will in this lifetime. I didn't realize the weight of one kid, what, like, sorry, I didn't realize how, how much weight one kid would have on my heart. There are so many, and seeing them and their joy in their heart um, was super inspiring. I found it really easy to adjust and become comfortable and even content with what I had on a whole new level. My heart would break each time a little kid would come up to me and offer me what little food they had. They had nothing, but they were so willing to share and give. Towards the middle of the week, I began to question my own motives for going and realized how selfish they truly were in the beginning. I was looking at what I could gain and the comfort um, of what I could do outside my own comfort zone rather than what I could give and do for God. A goodbye has never been so hard, but Malawi forever holds a special part in my heart, um, and it remains a happy part of my past and a hopeful part in my future. I definitely experienced a major reality check coming back, and it's never been harder, um, and I've never missed anything so much before. There hasn't been a day that I haven't thought of each of those kids and prayed for them or even looked at the hundreds of pictures I managed to take that week. Um, I'm super uh, grateful for the experience that I got and for my mission, uh, mission team and the youth group themselves and for Kevin and my parents and all the people who helped make this possible. Um, so uh, as, I <laughs> as I rethink my future and plan God has for me, I'm drawn to missions to hopefully experience even more opportunities like the one I've just had. One thing we did in Malawi was VBS, so we had different teams like games, crafts, and the music, and we're the music team. One thing that was difficult with the music was the language barrier. It was hard to, for them to understand the songs, but one thing that they loved to do was motion songs. So we're going to try one today. So everyone, stand up. And, <laughs> and please do the motions with us. <laughs> it's a very familiar song. Yeah, you should know it. So. <laughs> If you're happy and you know it, stop your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stop your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, stop your feet. If you're happy, come on, wave your hands up in the air. If you're happy, jump around like you don't care. If you're happy, come on, then lift your praises high until If you're happy, jump around like you don't care if you're happy. 
everybody. Um, my name is Baden Jones and earlier you heard from Cadence a story about how she was really out of her comfort zone but if you know me a little bit or you know my dad Robbie Jones missions is not something different to my family. In fact I recall a time in my life where I came home from work and asked my mom where my dad was and my mom said honey he's on his way to Paris. So <laughs> today I get to speak a little bit for the games team. Um, we had a blast out there just teaching these kids these games um, and that's the first thing I want to talk about. Here in America, we have customs, you know, we listen and everything like that, and even the little kids can kind of catch on to a game. But if you've ever tried to teach kids that have no clue what you're trying to teach them, and then on top of that, add a language barrier, it can be very difficult to teach them games. So some games, we would try to teach them, and it really wouldn't work out. But then there's other games, like with the little, little kids, where we taught them duck, duck, goose, or in their language, they called it cow, cow, goat. <laughs> and surprising enough, these little, little kids would listen better than some of the old kids. And so we were able to get them seated in a circle. And for the kids that didn't understand it, there were the a little bit older ones that did and would help teach the little kids. It was an amazing process to see how we could split up into multiple circles just on the dirt, on the ground, and play goat, goat, cow with little kids and run around in circles, and they had a blast with it. And even with the older kids, we would teach them games like sharks and minnows, which you could see that in the beginning when they were trying to learn the game, that it was, it was a slow process, and like Kevin said, when it came to the arts and crafts team, yeah, they had 100 kids into 200. We also had 100 to 200 trying to teach them one game. But you could also see in the moment when, that kid, when those kids started to understand the game, how much they genuinely enjoyed it. Um, but with that being said, on given days, we gave kids options. So we would say, we can play a game that we've learned previously in the week. We can teach y'all a new game. Or we can play football, or as we know it, soccer. And I cannot tell you how much those kids lit up with the idea of playing soccer because they love soccer there. And so they, of course, said soccer. And so for the translators, we're like, all right, I don't know how y'all do it, but y'all go play soccer. And I kid you not, none of us had any insight in this. They went shirts and skins. They set up their own goals. They had players on the field and players on the bench, and they had referees. They had a full-on soccer match get, that got going less than 10 minutes full-on soccer match. And of course, we joined them playing shirts and skins and soccer and being very bad, but that was beside the point. 
it, one thing that hit me the hardest was we had a, a, a bunch of brand new balls that we brought and we did leave them there. And they were in one of those just see-through cinch sacks kind of things. And while we're waiting for the games, the kids, they would come and huddle. And with the kickballs we had, they would just sit there and poke the kickballs because they had never seen anything like a kickball before. Something that here in America, kids just treat like, I'm not gonna say trash, but it's just another ball. But those kids would sit there and just poke it through the bag because that was so interesting to them. And not to mention that when we gave them the soccer balls, their eyes just lit up and all they wanted to do was play and run around with it. But another thing that also stuck with me was on the very first day we had tried to do name tags and numbers to try and divide the kids. And there was one little kid that took that name tag on his shirt and put it on his forehead. <laughs> now for any of you that has helped with VBS before, you would know that that is something that probably occurs very often. But in that moment, I just realized how they were the same as us. How those little kids are the same outgoing, energetic, comedic little kids that we are over here and that there was no difference between them and us and that just hit me really hard. Thank you. First of all, thank you, Kevin. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I wrote this actually as soon as we got back from Malawi and I never thought I'd have the opportunity to share my thoughts, so thank you. My name is Allison Walker. My husband Andy and I have been members at Pitts for 21 years. As soon as we joined the church and before we had children, we began helping in the youth group. We have continued to support and serve the youth here at Pitts ever since. Andy has gone to Snowbird to chaperone youth many times. I, on the other hand, use my gifts here at church by teaching and serving where needed. I have been asked many times by multiple people to serve on a variety of mission trips, but I always had an excuse, usually a good one, until this past July. Before a date and a place was decided on, I remember walking with my friend Amber Gorley in our neighborhood and saying to her, if they choose Africa, I am not going. That is just ridiculous for us to go there. It's too far, the youth would need passport shots, time off from school, and it they would also be away from their families. Well, guess what? They chose Africa. And Andy and I were asked to go. I truly had no excuse or not a good one anyway. I went every Sunday night for mission team meetings, usually leaving them overwhelmed and anxious. The three of us got all our shots and we met with the Cabarrus Health Alliance, which stressed me out even more. Even my students at school were uneasy because I would not be there for two days. Things just didn't seem settled at all. I was nervous about leaving my other son, Austin, for 11 days and no way to get home quickly if I was needed. I had nightmares about snakes and other various crazy notions that my mind made up. I was just going through the motions, trying not to think about the upcoming trip where I would be out of my comfort zone and not in control. Until you Sunday, Baden and Blake preached on obedience to God. They be, that became my new mantra throughout my day. Instead of praying for God to find a way for me not to go, it became God help me to be obedient to you. And if you want me in Malawi, 
then I'll go to Malawi. Suddenly, a peace came over me, peace that helped my anxiety. I wasn't scared to leave home or to be in the unknown. I was able to go without kicking and screaming, and I became excited about what God had in store for me. So here's what I was able to take away from our trip to Africa. Happiness is great, but we can get happiness from a lot of things, even earthly things. Joy, on the other hand, is a long-lasting state of being. Joy is promised by God and something we should strive towards. I saw joy in Africa. I saw joy in the eyes and faces of our team when we landed in Malawi. I saw joy in eyes and faces as we got to the Good Samaritan or Orphanage. The kids there greeted us with singing, hugs, and smiles as if we were the prodigal son coming home. As we toured the orphanage and the kids there, they were so excited to show us their rooms and to take pictures with us. We walked to their church and sang more songs. We gave out jump ropes and watched the kids jump for joy, more joy. I saw joy as kids braided our hair, played on the playground, and even did church clap. There was joy in Auntie Tandy's eyes as she cooked for us a traditional African meal and then shared her joy in our coming. I saw joy in the team as I sat in a circle eating and joy in the fellowship with our team. There's going to be a video played here of some of the kids singing to us. I saw joy in the van rides. <laughs> Woo! Long. They say two hours, but it's really five hours. Dusty, full of potholes, driving fast, then slamming on brakes, the sound of glass rattling, bracing yourself, readjusting on the seat, windows open, hair blowing, breathing in exhaust, worried about the tires. No one could believe we never lost a tire. With no streetlights, signs, or places to look for, as we do here, we never really knew how much longer we would be on the road. With the bumps and the smell of intoxicating exhaust, we would all look out the windows and talk about the beautiful trees, the flowers, and the landscape. We would notice the sparse houses where people lived and the markets where they shopped. We all saw the, the phone stands where people would go to get more minutes on their cell phones. It, but it was as we had gone back in time, seeing skinned animals hung for sale, people selling fruits and vegetables on the side of the road, and then a phone stand. At night, we would gaze out the windows and braze ourselves in the broken bench van seats. We would look at the beautiful stars and moon so large 
you could almost touch them. The night we left the orphanage, we were on a long, dark, dusty road. And as we looked ahead, we could see the other van was pulled over. We immediately all groaned. The other van had broken down and needed water. Robbie, Navigator, and Donnell stayed with the van. The other adults and kids piled in the van with us. Stinky kids, adults, exhaust clogging the windows. We'd all had enough of the van rides. Could we get any joy out of this? Here comes the joy. When we're finally back together to eat at 9 p.m., Robbie explained to us that while they were all finding water for the van, they came along a group of young men. While waiting for the van's engine to cool, Robbie, Navigator, and Donnell shared the gospel with the young men. Now that is joy. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, we were all dressed to the max. There were colors everywhere. Everyone had on their best. My act of worship is serving, and I'm sure many in our, in our group are aggravated with me because when Kevin started to preach, I got up and I walked around the church outside. I listened and prayed as he spoke. I took pictures of people and kids and smiled at them. I saw the Holy Spirit move through the room. I watched with joy as I saw joy in our pitch group surround Kevin in love and support. I listened to the music and saw the joy on the faces of all colors of skin singing and shouting praises to the Lord. There was great joy on Easter Sunday. to see that was offering that was offering time at church that morning the women in the green skirts and the white shirts that was their their elders um, those women took care of the kids and made sure everybody was behaving uh, but I wanted you to see um, how they all gave they gave of everything they had um, on church that morning um, the second video is Kevin on Easter Sunday Thank <laughs> you. 
Kevin asked me to help with crafts, I was not feeling it. I am definitely not crafty. I've never been able to even color in the lines. So I made jokes and comments about it. Thank goodness God knew where I needed to be. The craft group was the best. Amber, Kelly, Dina, and Lennox are all very crafty, so I just followed their lead. Before leaving for Malawi, we were told to plan for about 300 kids a day. On Monday morning, there were kids coming into the church from all different directions. It was like everyone had told their friends, brothers, sisters, cousins, neighbors. We had over 300 the first day. By Thursday, we had almost 500 kids come through crafts. So, like Albert Einstein says, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. So, like any good leader or teacher, the craft group came up with a change of plan for the next day. We realized that the 13-year-olds and up didn't need to do a color sheet. They needed their own time. We were there to equip, support, and help the Bible college students. So we suggested that those youth would have their own time while the younger kids went to crafts. We also decided that the kids needed to be split up by their age, so we created name tags. This led to a small barrier. Most kids did not understand English, nor did they know how old they were. Kids that looked four or five would tell us they were 10. So we asked the Bible students for help, and also Lennox studied with Donnell, who was an interpreter for us and a friend of Kevin and Robbie's. And together, they came up with translations for common words we would use. Didn't I say that the craft team was awesome? We all worked well together each day. There was so much joy watching the kids color, make bracelets, decorate bags, and then the last day, they made jump ropes out of the bags you all donated. They all stood at the table, some even barefoot listening to instructions. Some were apprehensive with just taking the tops off of markers. Some were so intent on coloring, they used every color they could find. But ultimately, they found joy in crafts. And so did I. I saw joy in Kelly and her unconditional love given to all people. To the village kids that were dirty, smelled bad, and with their tattered clothes, she showed love as she cared for kids with fevers, throwing up, and with splinters in their feet, 
from their long barefoot walks. She showed love to sweet George, who was one of the cooks at the Bible College, as she cleaned a huge scrape on his foot. I saw joy in her heart as she tried to heal and love on each adult and child. I saw joy in Amber when she took time to write letters to our teenagers and adults on the trip, wanting them to have an encouraging note during the week saying that she and God loved them. I saw joy in her eyes as she patiently helped kids and crafts and when she spoke to each of our own teenagers. She had joy while listening and asking questions to each of them, while taking time for them and ultimately getting to know them better. Lastly, I saw joy in Amber as she, like Mary, sat quietly listening to others and to God, except when a bat flew into our room one night. <laughs> Thank goodness we all had bed nets. I saw joy in Dina, our very own Lottie Moon. As I watched her behind the scenes with each puppet show and skit, she was always there to instruct, pick up, and clean up props, clothes, puppets that our students conveniently left out. I watched her have joy in her eyes while in the village, you could always find her in the middle of all the village kids, hugging them or putting safety pins in their dirty, torn, and tattered clothes. The kids had so much joy over one safety pin. When we ran out of craft supplies, I heard the panic in her voice as she said, Lord, loaves and fishes over and over. I then saw joy and happy tears when miraculously she found enough markers and coloring sheets for everyone. I saw joy when she took out her bubble gum and watched kids squeal with laughter and joy as she shot bubbles into the stagnant air. I saw her joy on the safari telling our safari driver more tidbits of knowledge than I'm sure he had ever heard. I saw joy in Dina as she cared for all kids and even for those bats in our room. All three of our young ladies from Pitts were a joy. They all got along with each other, no drama, and it was so nice. They made friends with the Bible college students and they learned the language well enough to have regular Western teenage girl conversations. It was a joy to see their unconditional love for all children. We often saw each of them holding a baby or carrying one on their back. All three of them were respectful to all adults, never complained about sleeping in the heat of the night or of the various animals in our room. And as they all fell asleep, many times before even the adults got to bed, I saw joy on each of their faces as they dreamed of their day. Cadence led in worship, but at the end of VBS each day, we often found her playing with the kids that lived there on the Bible College campus. She would sit with them, watching them play, and not allowing the language barrier to become a problem. Cameron also helped in worship, but she was also interested in the day-to-day -day life of the village, helping us to organize relay races with the kids that lived nearby. She wouldn't let them sit on the steps and watch us. She got them together and organized games. She was also very interested in the water filters, going with us to the nearby village, giving out water filters to the women we met, even having her picture taken with the queen of the village. Lennox helped us in crafts. She immediately caught on how to place the kids in line and spent extra time with Donnell to learn the language so she could communicate better with the kids. We often asked Lennox, how do you say this or can you tell them this? She took on each craft and gave instructions and taught the Bible College kids how to make jump ropes with plastic bags while even holding a sleeping baby. She was more at ease and comfortable with over 100 kids than many teachers I know. 
Lennox was also our hairdresser. She braided a lot of hair, even some of the local girls that went to the Bible college. She never complained when asked. She even took care of us before she took care of herself. All three of these ladies had joy on their faces like Jesus when he looked at the little children. I saw joy watching my son Alex and his friends play and joke around with the kids in the orphanage and in the village. Both Alex and Isaac built relationships with boys in the orphanage and at vacation Bible school. Even though Baden, Isaac, Alex, and Blake were hot and sunburned from being outside in recreation, they had joy in their eyes as they told the stories of their day. I saw joy when Baden and Isaac let the girls braid their hair, something that they would never let happen here at home. I saw joy in Baden and Blake when they were able to share their sermon on Easter Sunday morning. I saw joy in Blake as he poured out all of his emotions while playing his part in the skits and Bible stories. I saw joy watching Jonah juggle and do magic tricks for the kids. I saw joy as he helped the students in the Bible college play the guitar and piano and then watch him find solitude and time alone with God when needed. I saw joy when Isaiah was always there when needed to carry a bag or move an object or even being on the assembly line for crafts. And he was always found playing soccer or chasing kids around the campus. All of these young men found joy in building relationships in Malawi. I saw joy in David. He was definitely in his element on the worship team. David was a key member of the church clap, Macarena, and chicken dance team. You could also find him playing Jesus and other men in the Bible in various skits. I saw joy in Andy in his element behind the scenes. He made sure we had the music and sound in every situation. He set up and helped to take down the sound system and puppet stage in the villages. He made sure our team had everything they needed in any situation, especially when we had bats, chickens, mice, roosters, lizards, and even a snake in one of our rooms. I saw joy in both David and Andy when they were able to help stir the SEMA. I don't think they thought it would be that sticky or that hard to stir. All the men that were cooking at the Bible college got a kick out of watching them too. I saw joy in Robbie. I saw that he was truly in his element. He took pride in the Bible college and the orphanage. He's, he was able to see the students and workers benefit from his labor there. I saw joy when he was able to reconnect with his friends there in Malawi. And we all found joy when Robbie brought us cookies. And at last but not least, I saw joy in Kevin. His heart for the kids in Malawi overflowed with joy. He preached his heart out on Sunday mornings and in the villages at night. The Holy Spirit flowed from his heart and onto the people of Malawi when he spoke with the greatest of joy. But when he saw that elephant up close on the safari, he had so much joy, he was never able to get that selfie. <laughs> Lastly, my joy came from seeing each of the team members serve others for the Lord. I also got my joy from my spiritual gift, teaching. Teaching every day to my students at school is a blessing. Teaching here at Pitts and Sunday School and Children's Church is an honor. But being able to teach 100 teenagers in Africa, it was a dream come true. And most of all, 
being able to teach about following God's will and being obedient, which is exactly how I got to Africa. I was fearful. I was scared. I had dreams that bad things were going to happen. But I kept telling myself to be obedient to God's will. I got to teach the teenagers that following God's will is the only way. The Bible says joy comes in the morning. No matter the continent, no matter the people, God, God's joy knows no bounds. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope or joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you all can find the joy that I found in Malawi, Africa. Thank you. Just a couple more things. Uh, number one, uh, Pastor Scott just texted, and uh, I think this is our wrap-up, right? Yeah. Um, this sermon, we're, we want to be able to finish. Uh, I apologize that it's taking so long, um, but um, we're so excited. It's so hard to wrap up a trip like this, even in 50 minutes. You can see how impactful uh, that it's been to all of us. Um, but obviously, um, if, if Pastor Scott were to preach on top of this, we would be here till 3 o'clock. So, we're going to, we're going, we've got a couple other things that we want to share with you. And uh, I guess we'll hold off the message for today until next Sunday. Is that right? Okay. Oh. It went in Malawi. You got to do it in Malawi, right? What we're going to do now, uh, we're going to attempt to sing a song that you all know the tune to. And matter of fact, we're going to sing it in English, and then we're all going to uh, also sing it in Chichewa. Um, so uh, my Chichewa is not very good. Uh, you don't have to sing this one. Uh, but uh, we're going to sing This Little Light of Mine. The words will be on the screen in Chichewa, uh, and so you can check our pronunciation if you like. So we're going we're gonna to attempt this in Chichewa. Hold on. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, 
For some reason, the girls always laughed at me when we're singing that song. It may be because my chachela is not up to par. So uh, I asked uh, Cameron Cloys to, to, to make a video just sort of encapsulating uh, the week, and then I'll have a few closing comments. Okay, Jonathan says go ahead, right? Okay, all right. Um, When Pastor asked, you know, just to, 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 to wrap this up, um, a story came to my mind of um, an encounter with a young boy that I had uh, on the first Malawi trip. And um, first Malawi trip uh, in uh, 2014, we went to the Good Samaritan Orphanage again. And when we, our group, arrives uh, this time, um, Dr. Gentry, um, who's the founder of the orphanage in Malawi, was holding this young boy, a year old. And um, his name was Gentry, or at least that's what they called him. And so he adopted the name Little Gentry. And so you might be asking yourself, well, what's so special about um, Dr. Gentry, the founder of the orphanage, holding a one-year-old baby boy? Well, it's not so much that he was holding this baby, but it was how he got to the orphanage. Just a few weeks prior, There were authorities out in, in, in the area there, and they heard this crying. And they couldn't discern where this crying was coming from. And they looked, and they looked. And they finally found this little baby boy in a long drop. A long drop is where people use the bathroom he was unwanted 
or his mother couldn't take care of him. But she left him in a lone dog. The authorities burst through the concrete and rescued this little boy out of the, the filth and the mire and the mess. And they clean him off. It took forever to get the stench off of him. But after a bath and, and, and several other methods of trying to, to, to clean him up, they finally got him clean. And they gave him a new home. A home that where he was truly loved and cared for. He was given a new name. His name was Little Gentry. This year, 2023, we go to the orphanage and there's Little Gentry. Not so little anymore. But a nine-year-old boy who's growing and thriving in an environment that he was meant to be in. Do you get the symbolism? We too were once covered in the ugliness and the mire and the muck of sin. But Jesus loved us so much that he burst through the concrete we couldn't get out. He rescued us. He took us out of the sin. He took us out of the domain of darkness. And he has transferred us in to his kingdom of light and put us in an environment that we can thrive and that we can live for him and for his glory. And he's given us a new identity. And that identity is not what we once were. And once were, we were trapped in our trespasses and sins. But he's given us a new life in Jesus Christ. That's why we go to Malawi. To share the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all know Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There are little gentries in your workplace that need to know the saving message of Jesus. And because you and I have been changed by the power of God through Jesus Christ, we have the message that they too can know the saving power of Christ. And they too can have a new identity in Him. 
and a future and a hope in Him. We don't have to wait from year to year to go to Malawi because they live right beside us. They live across the street from us. They work next to us in a cubicle. They walk the same hallways that we walk or you walk at school. They're all around us. They need to be rescued. I'm so thankful and so prayerful that God rescued Gentry. But I'm so thankful that he's rescued me. I'm so thankful that he's rescued you. And if you're here this morning and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you don't have any clue what it means to be rescued, it means that you cry out to the Lord Jesus for salvation. That you believe that what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is enough for your salvation. And that when you believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose again on the third day and he made the promise to come again and receive his church unto himself and that by faith you receive that gift, you will be saved. And then once you are saved, we have the awesome privilege of going and sharing the beautiful message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That is our prayer. That, that what you've heard this morning from this team has not just been something to inform you as to what we did or have done, but an encouragement to all of us to go and do likewise in our Jerusalem and then in our Samaria and then in our uttermost parts of the world. Thank you for allowing us to share. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your gospel that saves us. Amen. Personally, I'd like to see the video. By wrap up, I meant... Go ahead and finish out the service. Don't cut. I didn't mean wrap up, cut short. I meant just go ahead and finish out the service. It's excellent. And if there's anybody else from Malawi that would like to share something, since we do have a few minutes, please do so. Because I've got a man. Uh, Kevin told me I'd be up preaching by 11, uh, by 1045 today. So I, I saw better not try to do that because I've got a message <laughs> I've got a message from our next section in Mark that I may need you to come visit me in jail over. Uh, maybe in five or ten years from now. Because it's the passage in Mark, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Dealing with some pretty sensitive subjects there so we'll hold off on that so let's let's go ahead and see the malawi video and then hear another testimony and uh, folks this is why we plan missions the way uh, john 20 21 jesus said even as the father has sent me even so send i you he sends us out 
He came from the ivory palaces of heaven to a sin-darkened and stained world for you and for me. And he calls on us to get outside of our comfort zones and go to even difficult places in the world. He tells us to go to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. This is why we have you give to missions that we can do stuff like this and we invite you to be a part. And so what might God be leading you in your heart to do? There's opportunities locally, regionally, nationwide, and worldwide that we offer to you. So where's God calling you? Let's hear another testimony and a video and we'll close in a few minutes. Um, hello, that's really loud. My name is Lennox. Nice to meet you, I guess. Um, this is very last minute. I did not plan anything, so just roll with the punches that I get, please. Um, I got the opportunity to go to Africa with these amazing people right here. Love them so much, got close with so many of them. Um, even the adults, that, yeah, no, no offense, but I didn't think I would get to become so close with the adults like I did. I ended up relying on them as so much to get so many things, to help with so many things. Um, I'm gonna come up here and just talk about some fun things that we did and some funny things we did because I feel like not a lot of things were told that are funny, so I'm gonna tell you about that. Um, so they mentioned animals. There are a lot of animals in Africa, if you did not know. So many, you can see so many. Um, I'm gonna speak about the ones that I came into contact with, personally. Um, they know, so I'm gonna let you know. But so in the women's dorm, there is not a closed roof. You can see beams and, and wires and everything. Thankfully in our room, it was closed off, but not in the rest of the uh, house. So, um, let me think. The first day we got there, we, I was walking out and I look up and I see this little rat just, just ascend up into the roof. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. Got a little friend going on here. Um, that was not it. Then I'm walking out and, you know, bats fly at night. So if it's dark, they're gonna pop out and say hi. Um, so I'm leaving, I'm going to use the bathroom. All of a sudden I see, just my head was almost taken off and I'm like, is that a bat? <laughs> like it caught me by such shock and such surprise. Um, I was trying not to freak out. I've never seen a bat so close to me in my entire life. Um, I was like, am I gonna turn into a vampire? What's going on? I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, that was the least of our worries. We had chickens that would stay around our house. Um, very nice, except there was one that would cockadoodle do it like 3 a.m. every single morning. And I was like, I would wake up and I'd be like, oh. And I promise you, even when I got home from Africa, I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and like, where's the chicken? Where's the chicken? It, it would scare me if I didn't hear it. But um, so me and the girls, me, Cadence, and Cameron, one day we were walking back from Bible study. Um, and we look up, and there's just a chicken. There's just a chicken just prowling, waiting for us. It's, our, it's next meal. But, so every day after that, we would have to do a chicken check. 
you open the door and you do a little chicken check, make sure you're not about to get pooped on, no eggs. <laughs> but that was one of them. <clears throat> trying to think what else. There was a couple snakes. Ooh, there was a bat got into our room in the middle of the night. We just opened the door and wasn't thinking about it and just it flew in. And so there are nets over our beds for, you know, bugs and things because you're in Africa. Um, and all of a sudden, it's just flying left to right. We take coverage under the nets. We're scared. We're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Thankfully, we had the, one of the nicest college girls come in, and she just starts swacking it. She's throwing things at it. She's like, get out. We're like, this poor bat. We're just trying to get it out and save our lives. But she, she helped us so much. So the animals were definitely an interesting part of the trip, but it, it's something that made the trip. Um, the kids, though, the kids were amazing. I, if you know me, I am such a child-oriented person. I absolutely love kids so much. So I went with the intent of taking one home, but they told me I could not, so I had to leave them there, which was really sad. And I know a lot of the women cried, even some of the men. I see you, Kevin. But. Um, I think when we went to the orphanage, that was really heartwarming and like mind-changing thing. I know when I walked in there, I just started picking up kids left and right. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the photo, but I had, uh, chichinji is like a wrap that you would use to hold a baby on your back. It's just a piece of cloth and you'd stick a kid on and just wrap it up and you're ready to go. You got all fours just ready and you got a kid. Um, so I walked in there and, and I, some of the kids would cry, you know, cause they, they've never seen somebody of your color. So I went and I tried to pick up some kids and they're like, oh, I'm not, I don't want you. And I'm like, okay. Um, then there was this little albino boy and he just came up to me and I was like, okay. So I picked him up and I put him on my back and they tied a chichinji around me, and I would not take him off. And I was like, I'm not gonna leave him until you tell me that he has to come off. So I just walked around for what, hours? Just with a baby on my back. And so many people, like a lot of the um, older women were like, oh, she's African, she's African at heart. And they were like, oh, you've got a kid on your back? I was like, yep. He's ready to go, he was sleeping, he was having so much fun. So, and I always had a kid on my arms. Most of the women did. Um, I just didn't want to put him down. I'm like, I will hold you for the rest of my life until you don't want me anymore. But the kids just, they're just so happy. They, they have so much joy for absolutely no reason. I have no idea, just God gave them so much joy to breathe to live they're there every single second. You turn around and you always got a kid behind you. Um, a lot of times when we would be in a bus, they'd run. They'd chase our bus wherever we went. Even just driving through villages, they would just run up to us and be like, hey, hey, Azungus, Azungus. That's, that's white people. Um, they'd be like, oh, Azungus, Azungus. So they'd be shocked to see people of our color and because they've never seen people that look like us before. Um, another thing was, I was not sure about this trip. Uh, I know Cadence wasn't really sure either, but 
I had never written my testimony before, and I had never given my testimony. Um, they've heard my testimony. It's very interesting. Um, a lot of people will have their story of their own, obviously. Your testimony is your walk with the Lord. My testimony is not, it's not the brightest compared to others, but it's my own. And Kevin told me that I would give my testimony in a village. And I was like, it's a lot of people. I don't know if I could do that. Um, but I ended up giving my testimony in one of the villages we went to. And it was so many people there. I was terrified. I had only ever told my testimony like once, once or twice. Um, so I was like, what are these people going to think of me? How are they going to feel about it? I don't know what to do. So, but I got up there and we had Donnell, he was one of our translators. And I just started speaking. I let the power of God just flow through me. He just took me away on his wings. And I saw a lot of people, you know, at first they were like, oh, it's just another white woman speaking. I don't have to listen to her. But they started listening and they, some of them felt what I felt. Some of them had been through the pain that I had been through. And I think when I told that testimony, it wasn't what they had heard. Excuse me. I had written it down on paper and I had sent it to Kevin. And, and I remember Kevin calling me and being like, are you sure you want to talk about this? Like, this is a really serious thing to talk about. Um, and so I was like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's important for people to know that <clears throat> women of my age could go through something like that and could be in that predicament where they need help and they can't have help. So I ended up keeping it in my testimony and I went there and I spoke about it in that village. And a lot of these women just, just stared with so much realization that it happens everywhere. And you know, like it's okay that it'll happen to you, but it's not okay if you don't do anything about it. So I just, I remember just talking and talking and talking. Like I, I couldn't stop. I felt God just being like, speak, speak, speak. So I spoke about it and spoke about it. And I was like, wow, it felt so good to kind of just get it out there because I felt like I had been dealing with a problem on my own for so long that to just speak about the good and the bad and how it affected my life, it was really life-changing. And uh, you didn't get to hear a lot of our testimonies, but they're, they're our own. And you'd be shocked to hear some of the testimonies, like things you didn't know about people and you just kind of, when you look at somebody, you kind of expect that they have their life together. No, <laughs> not everybody has their life together. And especially Christians, that's something you would expect that they live by the rules and they know what they're doing 24 seven and that they're always doing the right thing and they don't have anything wrong in their lives. That is not true at all. I feel like Christians, as a Christian, we have a harder time because people have these expectations of us and it's just like, we face more battles and more trials because they think we are this way and we have to live up to these expectations when in reality, we're fighting like everybody else. But 
I had an amazing time in Africa, and that's all I wanted to say, so thank you. Good news. 